Kia ora. Welcome to this edition of the Morrisville Baptist Church Podcast. Thank you for connecting with us to discover more about our faith community. Feel free to visit our website at morrisvillebaptist.com. I hope this message is an encouragement to you. We've had an eventful morning, I hear. Somewhat eventful. If you yeah. haven't heard, we, were, we have a carload of children today. There are seven children. And we've got to sit a bit closer bit together. Closer. And, uh, oh, it's getting a bit, bit close now. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, seven children in the house last night. That was Michelle's idea of uh, starting the school holidays. Let's have more children. Mm. And uh, it was all going swimmingly yeah. until we got to church and Thomas vomited in his car seat. Oh, dear. Oh, so she's gone home. She's taken two. The others are out there somewhere. Someone will be looking after them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, before... Um, before we get going, I did a bit of Googling the other day. Ah. I thought, when Richard and Tom come up here, it's a bit like a Batman and Robin scenario, isn't it? Uh, I've, got, I've got to put my seat up a little bit higher. <laughs> then, <do I? laughs> well, I, I figured if, if they could get away with a Batman and Robin, we needed a sort of uh, a duo name. Oh. So I, I Googled. Yes. Famous male duos. And, uh, and I came up with a couple. I came up with quite a few, actually. Uh, we could have gone for Morecambe and Wise. Yeah. We could have gone for the two Ronnies. Foster and Ellen. Who's that? <laughs> yeah, well, they're before my time, too, but I think they were singers. I just know that because, well, because I'm Foster. That, that would explain. Uh, Bert and Ernie. We could, have, we could have had SpongeBob and Patrick, Frodo and Samwise, Sherlock Holmes, Dr. Watson, yeah. Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. Um, uh, but the one I settled on... The Lone Ranger? No. And Tonto? No. Shrek okay. and Donkey. <laughs> I think we all know who Shrek is. <laughs> which, which, of course, which, of course, means that Not you're married to the beautiful Princess Fiona. Oh, right, right. <laughs> By day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a magical world, isn't it? Mm. Uh, I don't like where you're going. No, no, we'll stop there. I feel like we've got two of these iPads here, but we need one that, t- um, that makes oh. me change the um, things. But maybe someone's going to do you're it from the back. You're just going to have to cue it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there oh. we are. Speak and it is provided. Thanks, Sophie. Oh, if anyone doesn't know, this is Sophie, who's just got engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Very good. So we've been, uh, the Shrek and Donkey duo have been asked to uh, recap on uh, Malachi, which has been covered by Tom and uh, Richard extremely well, yes, actually, it has, hasn't it? over the last, uh, was it six weeks or so? Something like that. Maybe three months, I don't know, but there's been so much more happening too. There has, there's been a lot. And uh, so we wanted to recap and touch on a few of those other things and and also share with you, um, I guess there was was a really clear avenue from Malachi that sat quite well with both of us that Mm. we we thought we'd sort of delve into a bit more today. So um, why don't you kick it off, Foster? Okay, well, like I said, there's been some great preaching lately. Last week we had Alan and um, he was, the thing... I guess the proviso on everything we say here to this morning is um, it's what spoke to us. And um, so what spoke to me, um, besides the smoking angel driving a tractor, um, was the, that we're Christians um, in the world. 
And that's, um, that's what we're called to be, and, and that's not a, not a problem. Um, it's not something to be fear, afraid of, but it's something to be aware of, and, um, but it's when the world gets into the Christian that's the problem. And then a bit further ago, we had um, an awesome spiritual warfare seminar with David and Pettit, didn't we? Um, David and Greta. 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 David and Greta Peters, that's right. Um, They talked about, the the bit that I really got out of that was um, they talked about missiles as as the spiritual um, attack weapons. Um, They used the, sorry, they used... Um, missiles as a um, analogy, and they talked about the. It's two parts. It's the warhead and the rockets. Um, yeah, the warheads, the, the, the things that are lethal in spiritual battle for the enemy, are, are the blood of Christ, the name of Jesus, and the word of God. And then, then there was rockets as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were the rocket itself was made up of worship. Praise, prayer, and proclamation. Yeah. Which um, yeah, we, we've heard all that terminology really yeah. in Malachi too. Yeah. We? It was all about, and and they all come out of the mouth. Eh? The power mm. of of us to speak words of um, attack. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, another really good thing that I I was reading my notes and um, it said, you know, when Satan accuses us. The thing to do, and he says, you're guilty. The thing to do is not to um, say to Jesus, not to say to Satan, no, I'm not, because we are all guilty. The thing to do is to claim Jesus, and I thought that was awesome. Mm. Um, Mm. There's one more really good um, thing that's happened recently that I was wanting to talk about, too. Does anyone know Tony Mamu? There's a few people here who know him. They may, re- um, if you're in my home group, you may know him as Uncle Tony because um, he's very close, almost family to um, to Romina and, and Sunil. And and just had so happened that last Wednesday, no, Wednesday about ten days ago, um, Tony, who is actually a I would call him a global evangelist. He just happened to be staying at um, uh, Romina and Sunil's house um, on the night that we were having home group. And I think it's the first night he's ever stayed at your house, isn't it? And the interesting thing about Tony is his hometown is Lucknow. And um, and Lucknow is where um, Sam is going to be. Yeah, that's right. Um, so... Amazing coincidence or God moving? Mm. But, I, you know, it's, it's, there's so much more to Tony. I've got to tell you his story. He was born in the slums. In fact, he was poorer than poor. He didn't have a house. He, his family lived in cardboard. And at the age of 13, he came to the Lord. Anyway, years go by, and... Um, a group of these guys, um, people decide to, that they're going to form a church. And the first thing you do when you're making a new organisation like that is you want, to, um, you want to set some aspirational targets. So someone blurted out, 
I want to grow to be 10,000 churches. <laughs> and everyone laughed. But anyway, we'll write it down. So the next week comes and, and two of them have dropped off. <laughs> the week after, another three had dropped off. And they're starting to wonder what's happening. But they persist. For the next 10 years, they're doing one-on-one um, evangelism, street outreaches. But things are pretty dry. After 10 years, they, have, they open their second church. So they've grown to two. Ten more years go by. So that was, They started in 1973. 83, they had two churches. In 1993, they had expanded to ten churches. By 2003, they've got a hundred churches. Unbelievable. They've, the growth is going exponential. It's, it's slowed down a bit now. I think that's... In 20 years, they haven't grown by 100% the last 10, 20 years. They've only grown to 1,100 churches. <laughs> only. <laughs> that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So um, it makes you think this um, 10,000 churches is, is quite a possibility. Then they, their organisation is called... ABC Church, which is, I think, um, Assembly of Believers Church. Mm. So, so when someone like that comes to your home group, just coincidentally, um, the week before one of um, the children of a parent in the home group is sending their children off to the same place where he comes from, then you listen, because God's got to be in that, doesn't he? Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and he gave us a message that I feel like is, um, is very closely related to, to um, our interpretation of Malachi. And so we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. That reminds me, I was, I was toying with the idea of sharing a story too, Foster, which you know the story, but a lot of people here won't. Um, and I haven't really felt overly comfortable sharing it until just recently. But um, it only happened about five weeks ago. Mm-hmm. we had, uh, well, it was the middle of the night, and uh, I woke to the noise of uh, one of our sheep, uh, which was in the pen outside our bedroom, bleating. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's quite unusual for a sheep just to start randomly bleating in the night time. Anyway, it stirred me enough that I sort of came to a little bit, and I could hear this horn, a car horn blaring, and it sounded a long way away. And you know where there's just a noise that you hear that you think to yourself, that's weird, I'll just check it out. The, the horn went on and on and on and on, and I mm. thought, oh, some, some idiot's down the end of the road just mm. being annoying. Anyway, I swung my head out the bedroom window, and a, a car had crashed in the front of our paddock, uh, which was only 100 metres away from the house. Mm. I hadn't heard the crash, and um, I quickly woke Shell, and we went racing down the, down the driveway, and uh, it was, a, it was four, four young people, all, all young 20s. And, um, I mean, they were doing what a lot of young people do. And they took the corner too quickly. And they, they actually ended up upside down in the paddock with the front of the vehicle, you know, quite significantly wedged in to the ground. And um, we, were just, we were just bolted down there as quickly as we could. And uh, I can remember getting there. Well, actually, I, I can remember running down the driveway, head torch on, 
thinking to myself, what the heck are we going to do? And, and that unknowing um, left me feeling like we are completely alone here. There is no one to help. Mm. And uh, it felt that way for a good while. And we got down to the vehicle. One of the guys had got himself out. Another one was only partially stuck. But there were two in the front seat were um, completely stuck and unconscious. And again, that sense of, wow, there's, there's no one here to help. We are on our own. And um, I genuinely thought that the girl was dead. Mm. Uh, I managed to, she, the, the, the man next to her in the front had actually landed on her and was suffocating her. And I pulled her out and I can remember holding her head in my hands and, and I just thought she was, she was gone. And it was a couple of minutes after that that a, a, another carload of their friends turned up and then there's me and Michelle having to triage these patients and then crowd control another load of three or four people who were just going crazy because, of course, they've stumbled across their friends who are in a car accident. Mm. And, um, and again, that sense of there's no one here to help us. And I can remember this girl, one of the friends came and her brother was in the car. He was the guy in the front seat who was unconscious and she was just in the middle of the paddock screaming her head off and there was me all of a sudden having to try and talk to the stranger I'd never met before and talk her down and just tell her, just relax, we're just going to work this out, stay calm, blah, blah, blah. And still that sense of there's no one here to help. And I tried phoning some of the neighbours and there was no pickup. And uh, finally the police came along and, and, and then the ambulances and the fire. And, and the, the, the long story short is that they are all alive. Mm. And I was talking with Alan a few days after it happened. And he said to me, uh, what are you going to take out of this? And my big take was, there is no way that we were there alone. There was no way that we were in that paddock on our own in the middle of the night. Because all four are alive. And get this, not one of them needed a single stitch to their body. And the girl, who I thought was dead... She walked out of hospital a few days later with a cracked eye socket and a broken jaw. That's it. Mm. Nothing more than that. And I, yeah, I really thought that was it. I really thought we were going to have to live with this burden of someone having died in our paddock. Mm. And no way. There was, you know, God was 100% in that paddock. There were angels in that paddock. And you talked about the word coincidence. There's no way it's a coincidence that they landed there. Had they landed in a paddock 100 metres down the road, no sheep would have heard it. No one would have been disturbed in the night to find them. Mm. They would have been dead. Mm. She would have died of asphyxiation, 100%. Mm. And how often, what are the chances of landing in the front paddock of an elder and his wife with the wife on the phone to the police standing there praying? Mm. You know, yeah. that's not coincidence. <clears throat> and um, we've had the opportunity, well, Michelle's had the opportunity, she hasn't, we haven't met the four people in the car, but the friend came back, and Michelle was you know, really honest and said, you know, it's a miracle. We were praying for you. We'll continue to pray for you. It's a miracle that your, your friend survived, because the, the glory's got to be given mm. where it's due. Absolutely. Yeah.
So, <coughs> I've never used this. I assume we just touch it, do we? Yeah. Neither have I. Yeah. And it's up there too. And it's up there too. <laughs> right. So, um, really just touching on the points that Richard and, and Tom have, have talked about in Malachi uh, over the last few weeks, we've got these six disputations. That was a new word to me. Yep. And... Um, there being six disputations, there are also, if you like, six fixes, which are on the next slide. So we've, we've got them, and you know them. So the Israelites doubted God's love. Mm. They dishonored God's name. They profaned God's covenant. They questioned God's justice. They robbed God, and they despised God's service. Mm. And you'll remember that at each of these disputations, they asked God, but how? Mm. How did we question your justice? How did we rob you? And then... These were the answers, if you like, to the disputations. Mm. Know God's unfailing love. Yeah. Respect God's name. Respect his covenant, his promise. Yeah. Only God is truly right. Yeah. Giving express or giving expresses. Oh, Richard, you've made a typo. Giving expresses. Oh no, sorry, beg your pardon. Giving, giving expresses our love for God. Yeah. Sorry, Richard. <laughs> And serving shows our love for others. Yeah. And um, the bit that's really stuck with us is, um, it's the bit about, oh, actually, I, the other thing I was going to say is, um, I really liked how the book of Malachi uh, was a seamless transition into the New Testament. Mm -hmm. So if you sit down and you read Malachi, and then you, you take out the information section, and you go straight to Matthew chapter 1, it's like it never finishes. Mm -hmm. It just carries straight on, and it's easy to forget that, that's a 400-year gap. Yeah. That's 400 years of God having said nothing. Yet it picks up exactly where it finished. And that's with uh, Malachi talking about Elijah yeah. coming and, and preparing the way. Micah, uh, sorry, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, he talks about Elijah. And we know that as Matthew opens up, we're introduced straight away yeah, yeah. to John the Baptist. Uh, and that's, uh, I think that's really profound. Because we all, donkey. We, oh, well, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be growing wings before you know it. Um, we, we sometimes forget that, you know, we think about the Old Testament as being ancient history, yeah. no longer relevant. Uh, we don't need that anymore. Mm. Times have changed. Let's move on. Let's, let's stay relevant. Let's get with the New Testament. Let's get with the 21st century. But actually, as you know, Tom said it this morning, and we've heard it through and through in the book of Malachi, God does not change. No, that's right. He does not change. Mm. The world changes. Our expectations change. Yeah. Our ability to connect with God changes when we're faced with more and more worldliness around us. Yep. You know, and, and Foster mentioned what Alan said last week. It's okay for Christians to be in the world, but it's not okay for the world to be in the Christians. It's harder and harder today to be a Christian. Mm. And so we've got to work a little harder to... Yeah. Remain faithful to this God who doesn't change, which takes us through to the main point of where we're sort of we're wrestling yeah. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to do this together because um, we've both been thinking about it separately. And um, I went on Wednesday and had a quick talk with you in between um, your duties at work. That's right. and, Got a free um, cup of tea though. Yes, I do. Quite generous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and half a. Um, Half a nice bun. Half a nice bun. Yeah, yeah. Half. What was it? It was. Um, I can't remember. Chelsea bun. Chelsea was it? bun. Only half. Yeah. What a cheap school. 
<laughs> it was the remains. It was cleaning up the after, yeah, the leftovers. That's what Shrek would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I was thinking about was um, this is a hundred years after the exile, um, after they've returned from exile. Sorry, so um, they've rebuilt um, Jerusalem and the temple, and they've had to do that with. Um, with a sword or a weapon in one hand while they've been under persecution. And, and in times of persecution, you know, people grow and, and um, they, they're hungry for, the, um, for a connection with the Lord and, and they know that they're right where God wants them to be. But this is a bit later on and, um, and they, you know, they think they're still doing the right thing. They're, they're still worshipping um, the God, they're still giving, uh, they're still serving, but they've gotten complacent. They've gotten too comfortable. They're not striving anymore, they're just going through the motions. And, um, and I think the key that you're alluding to and that we've sort of come to together is that they're not thirsting for God's best. Mm. And they're not um, thirsting to do the will of God. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, in the footnotes of, of my Bible here, um, just better make sure I get the right one. Uh, it talks about the fifth disputation, Israel's begrudging offerings condemned. Mm. So the prophet returns to Israel's begrudging offerings, a subject treated in the parallel second disputation. There the emphasis was on the priest's failure, but here Malachi's concern expands to include the whole nation. Perhaps the reference to Jacob serves as a reminder of Jacob's return from exile in Padamaram. Upon coming back both to the promised land and to the Lord, he built an altar at Bethel and offered a tithe according to his vow in Genesis. Similarly, when Jacob's descendants returned from their exile, they rebuilt the altar at Jerusalem, but they were grossly negligent in offering their tithes. This negligence may have seemed justified because of crop failure, drought, and pestilence. But the Lord reveals, however, that these natural disasters were not the cause of the nation's disobedience, but the cursed result of the disobedience. Mm. That's, you know, it's easy. Um, and when times are tough, and we all go through times that are tough, be it health-wise, or financially, mm. or you know, tricky family situations... God has not changed. He still wants our best. Mm. We still have to give him our best. Yeah. You know, if, if you know, we don't really uh, offer foodstuffs anymore, like, like used to be done in days gone by, by the food bank, but can you imagine turning up to a church with uh, your harvest crop and, and you've squirreled away your very best of the harvest and just come along with your second best? Mm. I mean, if you, if you flip that and you think about the fact that when you pray to God, you want God's best for you, how would you like it if God said, well, I'll reserve my best for Joe Bloggs out there and you can have my second best? Mm. I'm pretty sure there's not a single person in this room who'd be very happy with that. Mm. And here we're talking about not just the human, but we're, we're talking about the God of the universe, the creator mm. of the universe. Doesn't he deserve our best? Yeah, he expects our best, but he expects our best because he's God. Yeah. He's not just someone who wants to be your friend. 
He doesn't want you to give your best because he wants to be richer or more powerful. He doesn't need that. Mm. He wants our best because he wants to know that he is the best thing in our lives. Mm. We will devote our time, our energy, and our money to the things we care about. Mm. We all do that. And I think the question we all need to ask, and, and I quest, you know, we question ourselves too, is are we prioritizing God? Mm. Are we actually giving him our best? I mean, busy, busy house, uh, family, three small children, full-time job, all the, you know, all the things that many of us are dealing with here. Mm. And it, it can be hard yep. to make time to pray. But I was really heartened because when we met with David the other week, here's David who travels the world and talks about how God's moving in the nations. Even he said sometimes he has to rely on his discipline to worship, not just his desire to worship. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay. It's okay if you get to 8 o'clock at night and the kids are finally in bed and you think to yourself, right, now I better... I better read my devotion. I better do my Bible time. That's okay. Mm. But just remember that whatever you can give to God, mm. let it be your best. And don't be disheartened if it feels like a chore because it's so, you know, God understands. And I, I really like something that Michelle told me years ago. She said the difference between a man and woman is men expect mountaintop experiences with God. Moses climbing to the top of Mount Sinai to meet God. Mm. Yet if you look at a lot of the women in the Bible, <coughs> God comes to them in the humdrum every day. Mm. He visits them in, uh, you know, Mary in the kitchen. A- and what Michelle takes out of that is, you don't have to climb a mountaintop to experience God. You can find God anywhere. Mm. You can find God anywhere. How many of us have a, have a calendar with a little verse stuck to the back of the toilet door? <laughs> sometimes that's the only peaceful place in the house mm. you've got to go there several times a day <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah um, we've just got to be thirsty yeah we've got to be thirsty and, and um, you've got some verses that talk about that too haven't you Foster yeah yeah so um, that's probably there but, um, Tony when he was visiting us uh, I, I asked him I thought it was a good opportunity to ask him I said you know what are we doing right and wrong in, in our church and in, in New Zealand, what, what do you think of, of that? And he said, well, 37, 30 years ago when I came here in, in, in 1983, I think he said he came here, um, New Zealand was on fire for the Lord. They were thirsty. They, um, and, think, and God was pouring out his blessing on, on New Zealand. He said, there were so many things that I, could, that I saw that you were doing right that he took back to India. And, um, and that's when things started to happen for him in India, when he, he started to put in place some of the things that New Zealand was doing. And he started to grow exponentially. It was amazing. Um, so what's this verse here? For I will pour out my water on him who is thirsty. Pour out his water. That's God's um, heavenly blessing. He, that's God's plan. He wants to pour out heavenly blessings on us. But it's conditional. What's the conditional? It's conditional on, on him who is thirsty. And, and, but we need to be thirsty. 
Um, I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your, um, on your offspring. So it's not just blessings for us, it's blessings for our children and our, um, and our grandchildren. It's that important. Let's see if this goes the right way. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Actually, I've got a list of the um, uh, Bible references at the end if you want to take a photo then or whatever you want to do. Um, come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of, of wine or milk. It's all free. See, God wants the best for us. But we have to thirst. The same message or the same worship music, it can, um, it can leave one person dry and it can leave the, uh, wanting to go to sleep and it can leave the other per- another person on their knees. And that's, so it's up to us. How are we going to prepare our hearts? How are we going to come? Are we coming thirsty for God's word? Are we coming thirsty to praise God? Are we coming thirsty to serve him? And do you feel inadequate? That's the next question. God says it doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to be talented. You don't have to be educated, popular. You don't have to stand tall like Shrek. You don't have to... What else? You just have to come as you are. You just have to be willing. Not forgetting, of course, that God made you. Mm. And he made you, in his eyes, yeah. perfectly. Yeah. You are perfect the way you are because yeah. he made you. Yeah. And he has something for you. For some, it's water, heavenly water blessing. For some of you, it's milk of nurturing. Um, for some, some of you, it's fine wine and, um, and praise and worship. That's me. Okay, what's another one? Um, he who believes in me, as the scripture says, has said that out of him, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. That's from Jesus. It's a promise of Jesus too. It's his nature. He wants to bless you and he wants to bless through you. But there's a condition with Jesus as well. Verse before, what does he say? Jesus stood and cried, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Did Jesus thirst? Let's have a look. After this, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Does anyone remember where that happened? On the cross, that's right. He was humbled, beaten, whipped, bleeding beyond exhaustion. He was nine-tenths dead. And what was he thinking? He was thinking, I must do the will of God. I have a mission to complete that I was sent here for. That was, that's, what I, that's why it says knowing that all these things were now accomplished. And he said, I thirst. But why did he say, I thirst? Was it because he was thirsty? 
It says here that the scripture might be fulfilled. He knew he had to fulfill one last scripture. So he said, I'm thirsty. And the next thing he said was, it's finished. <clears throat> so he was thirsty to do the will of God. That's what he was thirsty for. And finally, Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so pants my soul for you, O Lord. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The psalmist was thirsty too. He said, when shall I come? When shall I serve you? And, um, and for us it's the same. Sometimes we, we may not have the thirst. So what do we do? We have to come to God and say, please, Lord, give us a thirst. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Jesus said it. Come to me. Yeah. Ask me. Yeah. Lord, we are thirsty. Yeah. Make us more thirsty. Yeah. That's what he wants. And that's what's going to bring about our best to serve him. Mm. We won't serve him. We won't give him our best no. if we are not thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. J. John, who um, is an English uh, evangelist, has a great phrase. The heart of the human problem is a problem with the human heart. Mm. So often we let our hearts become a stumbling block because we tell, us thing, we tell ourselves things like, I'm not good enough to come to Jesus. Jesus wouldn't want me. I'm not clean enough. Look at all these horrible things I've said, done, or thought. He won't want to see that. Jesus already knows, and yet he still loves you. And he tells us that in the Bible. His love has no boundary. There is no limit to the love of Christ. And I put off being baptized for so many years because I kept saying, I'll do it when I'm just a little cleaner. I'll do it when I'm just a little better. I'll, I'll finally get round to it when Jesus will want me. Mm. And I was telling myself a lie because he didn't want that. He wanted me to come to him to get clean. Yeah. He wanted me to come to him for him to say to me, <clears throat> you are clean. Yeah. Your sins are washed away. That's why we only need baptism once. Mm. We only need to to, to do that public action just one time because one time is enough. Mm. Jesus died once on the cross. Mm. Yet we carry that cross with us every day to remind ourselves that he died on that cross for every single person here, for Foster, for me, and for every man, woman, and child out there. Mm. And they don't know it. And how are they going to know it if we're not thirsty enough to show it? Ooh, mm. that was poetic was. <laughs> we are called to be his hands and feet and I've said that up here time and time again we are called to be the hands and feet of God of Jesus we are not called to be perfect we are not called to uh, live sinless perfect lives because we can't we haven't we won't mm. but that's not what God wants God wants us to be thirsty God wants us to come to him and say Jesus I need you because I can't do it alone. Yeah. So our encouragement to you today is 
don't be afraid. Hmm. Don't be afraid to come to Jesus. Don't be afraid to stop and just ask. Lord, make me thirsty. And that's a prayer I've got into saying every day. I like to say it to start the day now. Because if I'm not thirsty, I'm not going to get anything out of my Bible time or my prayer life or my marriage or my work or my family. If I'm not thirsty enough for God, I won't be thirsty enough for anyone or anything else. And one final note. Um, that's actually where, where you come in, too. Because it's very easy for us to sit here and, no, to say, <laughs> and, and to say, you know, be thirsty, get better with Jesus, or, or, you know, find Jesus and challenge yourselves. But actually, that's why this model of the Baptist Church is so good, because we are accountable to you, too. And we want you to challenge us. Foster Nick, are you thirsty? Mm. Are you looking for the best in God? Mm. Because we're not perfect. Well, one of us comes close. Speak for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will speak for myself. Thank you. You are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we are, we are elected by, by the members of this church for the very reason that we should be accountable to God and to you. So we want you to challenge us too. And don't be afraid to do that either. We, we're not, um, we don't bite. We are, well, I think we're jolly nice people. Um, and we want, yeah, we, we want to also be challenged too because um, I sort of, I used to think of, um, you know, life being like a ladder. And in a church life, you've, you, you sort of start at the bottom and then you climb up and up and up and then you finish with eldership. But actually, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that, and that's a trap. It's down, isn't it? It's, it's a trap, mm. because whilst you, you think of an elder being up there, actually, elders serve yeah. everyone down here. Mm. So it's not a ladder. It's a continuum. It just goes around and around. And um, it doesn't matter where you are on that continuum, because we should all be thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we pray? Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. I think these good people want to go home. <laughs>